KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, May 5th. Homelessness in downtown doubles in a year. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. More migrants are getting expelled to Mexico under Title 42, despite the Biden administration's plans to end the policy later this month. The U.S. has an agreement with Mexico to expel up to 100 Cubans and 20 Nicaraguans a day from San Diego, El Paso, and the Rio Grande Valley. The expulsions began on April 27th and will continue to May 22nd. That's according to the Associated Press, who was informed by an official under the condition of anonymity. Title 42 is a law used to expel migrants on the grounds of preventing the spread of COVID-19. It's set to expire on May 23rd. A man convicted of fatally shooting a San Diego police officer in 1978 could be released from prison in the near future. A judge has granted his petition that challenged Governor Gavin Newsom's reversal of his parole. Jesus Cecina was originally sentenced to life in prison without parole, but the sentence was later reduced to seven years to life due to him being underage at the time of the shooting. The city of San Diego has won an appeal in its lawsuit challenging a state mandate that makes local water districts pay for mandatory lead testing at schools. The city attorney's office made the announcement on Wednesday. The ruling issued last Friday found that either the state's commission on state mandates must reimburse San Diego for water testing, or San Diego can impose fees and charges to cover testing costs. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News. Now, stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. The number of people experiencing homelessness in downtown San Diego and the surrounding area doubled last year. KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim says an SDSU professor and his students are now asking people living in the streets what they actually need. We're going to go down to a national. On any given day, you can find Bruce Appleyard and his students walking around San Diego's homeless encampments. Thank you, guys. It was very nice talking to you guys. Talking with people and asking them to draw maps. Student researchers and myself go out and have people answer a few questions and then draw maps on blank pieces of paper of their most important activities and the most important destinations of their daily lives. It's all part of a research project Appleyard started in spring 2021. He's a professor of city planning and urban design at SDSU, and he's trying to better understand how people experiencing homelessness navigate their daily lives. It's a human-centered approach to understanding their home territories and their needs. 
It all starts with Appleyard and the students asking people if they're in fact experiencing homelessness and if they have time for some questions. Terrence? Mayfield, last name. People like Terrence Mayfield, the 45-year-old native San Diegan has been living in the streets for years. It's, it's, it's been a struggle, uh, you know, out here, just trying to maintain and, and survive. SDSU student Evan Dennis interviewed Mayfield. She made sure to ask questions about certain services, such as shelters, and how they're working for him. Would I, would I go to the shelter? I might, I might go to a shelter, but I, I just got out of one. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm pretty much burnt out on it. Uh, um, be, dealing with the people out here is a little more... Um, would you say it's less stressful? Uh, in there, it, it, there's a different type of stress. You know what I'm saying? It's closed, closed quarters, and then you got um, hygiene issues with, you know, other people and, you know, using the facilities and whatnot. And finally, Dennis and Appleyard asked Mayfield to draw a map of his home territory, where he goes to sleep, to get food, charge his phone, and other daily tasks. Where do you charge your phone? Um, uh, library, um, okay. maybe. Can you, can you mark that? He says he's always moving but that the map he just drew says a lot about where he lives. You know, uh, I really don't go uh, past this area. Um, Would you consider this your home territory? I wouldn't consider it home. Um, right. But um, it's, it's my um, community. And that's a distinction Mayfield wants to make. Home means something very different than just shelter. To me, uh, you know, homeless and, and houseless are, you know, two different things. And, um, uh, you know, you can have a house or an apartment or whatever and still be homeless. After the interview wraps up, Appleyard gives Mayfield a gift card for food. Everyone who does an interview gets one. And at the end of the day, the SDSU group reviews all the maps they've collected. He uh, socialized with friends who are in 12th and Imperial. And, uh, they want to use them to design services that make sense based on what they've heard about shelter curfews, crowding, and the areas many people avoid. But Appleyard says the maps are also a reflection of our society. It's not as much what the maps say about the homeless individuals we're interviewing. It's really about what it says about us. And oftentimes, people are just looking at, at homelessness as a problem that needs to be solved and dealt with, but in, but in, in ways that really aren't helping things, uh, things in the way that we've seen them through the maps we've collected. And that message of seeing people for people is a message that's already taking hold with his student researchers, like Evan Dennis and Michael Rumfula. It's just a really humbling experience getting out to uh, go back into the community and give people in the community an opportunity to share their story. Appleyard and his students plan to keep collecting maps and hope local governments will use the lessons gleaned from them. They've already met with the county's Office of Homeless Solutions. Christina Kim, KPBS News. Following the leak of the draft U.S. Supreme Court opinion that would reverse Roe v. Wade, San Diego abortion clinics are preparing for what could be coming. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman explains. Looking at the makeup of the court, we've been preparing for several very bad outcomes, this being the worst. 
Dr. Antoinette Marengo is the Chief Medical Officer for Planned Parenthood of the Pacific Southwest, which covers San Diego, Imperial, and Riverside counties. She says even before this, up to 50% of patients seen at their Imperial Clinic were from out of state or out of country. So either crossing the border from Mexico or coming from Arizona. With up to 26 states poised to ban or severely restrict abortion if Roe is overturned, Planned Parenthood is expecting a wave of new patients. We're going to see a dramatic increase. Um, There's just no crystal ball. It's hard to predict what percent increase, but we are preparing and have been preparing for some time. A final decision on Roe could come as early as next month. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. San Diego County is using new high-tech tests that will allow officials to test ocean water and find out if it's safe for swimming all in one day. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. San Diego County Supervisor Nora Vargas says the county is the first local government to get EPA approval to use the new sophisticated tests. The county has been trying them out for years. Vargas delivered the news in Imperial Beach, a community that's been forced to live with ocean water that's regularly tainted by sewage. The Tijuana River Valley pollution directly impacts the families not only of Imperial Beach, but the community and the region as a whole. And this advancement in water testing today is going to allow us to better monitor quality and provide us and the community with faster and more accurate information. The old test could take 18 to 24 hours to produce results. The new test can detect pollution in a handful of hours. That could bring down pollution warning signs faster because officials won't have to wait for test results. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. San Diego's new police oversight board is looking for community input in hiring its deputy director. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser has more. In 2020, voters passed a measure to make the city's police oversight board stronger. One of the ways the measure did that is by giving the board a budget for paid staff. One of those jobs is a deputy director who will also be in charge of reaching out to the community. Right now, that job is done by a volunteer, Patrick Anderson. One of the things that the community um, really wanted to make sure happened with the hiring of these staff positions is that they would have direct, concrete, real input into the positions themselves and the hiring of people to fill those positions. He's asking community groups to nominate people to be on this advisory hiring board by emailing him at patrickA at sandiego.gov. And that was KPBS's Claire Tregesser. The Commission on Police Practices will choose who's on the hiring committee at an open meeting today at 3.30. Coming up, using Fitbits to collect data and combat structural racism impacting Black moms and babies. We'll have more on a study called Power Mom next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A study called Power Mom uses wearable tech like Fitbits to collect biometric data of pregnant women. Scripps researcher Dr. Lachey Ajayi leads the Power Mom study. She spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Here's that interview. How does this method of data collection give different or better insight than what we can glean at the doctor's office? Absolutely. So I'll even start from a personal experience. I have a great relationship with my new OBGYN. I come to her clinic appointments. She sees me and I can just give her the information that she's asking me right then and there, right? Sometimes she'll ask me questions about kind of what happened within my week and I may not be able to really remember or recall. So when our physicians or clinicians ask us these questions and they're so well intentioned, we may not remember or be able to recall. So there are things that our body experiences that we may not really be able to relate or even recall. This kind of study doesn't really depend on recall. It captures information in the moment. So having a technology that you know automatically includes your blood pressure, your weight, that captures moments of stress, your activity level, and you have that information, it gives your clinician more information that we may be able to capture at that clinic appointment right there. How does this study help break down the structural racism that exists within healthcare, specifically for Black women and infants? When we look at structural racism and maternal health disparities, women who experience higher incidence of violence within their community, whether it's from policing, have an increased risk of having preterm babies, which we know is a risk factor to fetal demise. So being able to collect a study where we ask questions about neighborhood cohesion, neighborhood safety, access to a park within your community so you have a place that's safe for you to do the exercise that your doctors, your nurse practitioners, your midwives recommend that you do, having that information while also collecting biometric information about your activity level, your levels of stress, your heart rate, those kind of information laid on top of each other allows us to see how does policy such as redlining, how does housing segregation, how does neighborhood safety, areas that are policed more frequently, also healthcare deserts, how often, how, how far do you have to go to get healthcare? Are you able to access it within your own home? Do you have to take public transportation? What happens to you while you're taking that public transportation on your way to your clinician visit? And does that lead to having increased blood pressure when you see your physician? So having this information, collecting this data helps us really dismantle and actually get empiric data that points us to what aspects of structural racism impacts these health outcomes that we see within our patient population. Does the Power Mom study give women tools to advocate for themselves at the doctor's office in real time? It absolutely does. Power Mom, not only does it ask our participants to share their data, it gives you some quote-unquote normal parameters, but it also allows you to track your own personal pregnancy to see what's unusual for you. And when you have those abnormalities for you based on your pregnancy, you can then access the healthcare system and have a way to advocate for yourself and show, hey, I may not know everything, but I know this is different and I'm worried. Please see me and take me seriously. We shouldn't have to do that, but this allows 
our pregnant people to have that tool to advocate for themselves. And that was Scripps researcher Dr. Lachey Ajayi speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.